the uh, disciples on the beach. Because my son's a, a beach lover and that's what he does. He ministers to surfers on the beach. And the voice of the risen Lord says to them, go and preach the gospel to every nation and feed my sheep. And that says it all. The gospel of Jesus Christ. I am reminded and thrilled this morning that I am only hearing you because of the cross of Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you, but I needed a cross in my life. I, when I went to school, I'm not the world's greatest student. When I went to school, I was measured by the teacher's red lines through my essays and the work that I did, which said wrong, 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 wrong. My life is wrong, wrong, wrong. I needed a red line to go through my life. The blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses me from all sin. I needed a cross. I needed a cross to cross out my sin. An offense before God forever and forever. Eternally. The cross of Jesus Christ is a cross that's written upon my life. Has cancelled out my sin. I understand red lines and crossings out, but nowadays they don't use that apparently as teachers, I don't think. But what we do in social media is we cancel one another. We cancel. Can you believe it? My own son cancelled me because I was following him around the world, saying, I know where you are, you know, on my computer, it follows tracks. I know where you are, you're there, you're there, you're there. And he goes into some pretty uh, dangerous places. So it cancelled me. So I can't follow him. First time I've been cancelled. I almost took it personally. When Jesus cancels you, it's the greatest blessing. Because it cancels only your sin. It's gone. Forever. What a celebration. This Easter. I want to... I'm only going to give little steps because I'm going to preach this week and next week and then your new pastor comes. Hallelujah. Yippee. <laughs> and uh, so this week and next week will be my, my last time. But I want to finish up with this. And, uh, but I can only give little leaders today because we're only together for a short time and I'll develop more next week. Ah. Uh, I've, uh, I've got a favorite flower. And my favorite flower, it may be yours, is a daffodil. I'm not Welsh, but I love the daffodil. You're Welsh. You don't count. <laughs> You're born for it. It's my favorite flower because somehow when they point their heads through the ground, to me it says, we're away. It's a new year. It's new life. I love daffodils. When I travel down to Cornwall and I see fields of daffodils, it's a wow 
When I see fields of, what are those purple flowers? What do you call them? Little purple flowers. Now, bluebells. When I see bluebells <laughs> in and amongst the woods and the trees that go on forever and ever, I go, wow, it's brilliant. When I go to the top of the hill in Priddy and we take a flask, Sue and I, and we sit there and we see all the Somerset as far as the eye can see, it is amazing. And a word comes to my mind. When I was in Switzerland conducting a wedding, for my son and his daughter, his daughter, his wife, who is Swiss. The church was just by a huge mountain. It was in the distance, but it was near it. And we were by a lake called Lake Toon. Beautiful little medieval church. And I wasn't bothered about the wedding anymore because it seemed for the first time the Eiger. Amazing mountain. And I look at it and I'm, Wow. And I bought a video camera for the wedding. And all I've got is pictures of all the mountain range in Switzerland. Ian Botham is a joy to watch when he played cricket in his prime. And he brought record after record after record. And a word comes to mind. When I see the SS Great Britain, I stand back. Because when I was a young guy living in Bristol, they just kind of retrieved it, and now they've renovated it all. And there she is, in all her glory. The word I want to talk about this morning is glory. Glory. The weightiest, because that's the meaning of the word, but far more than this. It's one of the weightiest words in the Bible. The meaning of glory is weighty. The aim of everything that God has created in creation and the full meaning of Easter and every other celebration pales into insignificance when it stands alongside glory because glory is the ultimate thing the very final thing that you will see when you get to glory you will experience it you will see it it he is the pinnacle of everything that you could ever imagine God save our gracious queen. Make her victorious. Make her glorious. We have lost the meaning of the word glory. But that Bible word from God given to man is the most glorious word. The aim of everything when he came to this earth as the son of God to reconcile every one of us to the father in heaven he came into a world of judgment and carnality 
and wickedness and rejection and the very person that we should be accepting we reject reject finally and hung him on the cross and crucified him and in that crucifixion he was paying the real price of my sin and the gravity of it in the bible it says this that Because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. You see, just at the right time when we were still powerless, powerless in our sin, powerless in the way that we lived our lives, Christ died for the ungodly. Christ was dying on that cross for my sake, for the ungodly. Very rarely the Bible says, will anyone die for a righteous person? Though maybe for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. For the nation, for the country, even for the world. I'd probably die for my children. I'd die for my wife. I'd die for my friends. Maybe. Maybe. But God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners... Christ died for us. In our wickedness. In our rottenness. Christ gave his life for us. I will save them. I will redeem them. I will bring them back. I will bring them into my glory. I will do it. They're not asking for it. I know, but I will do it. And I will prepare a way where there is no other way. God sent this Jesus for me and I've experienced the cross and I've experienced the resurrection and the daffodils have come out in my life and made me alive in every measure of my life towards God. I love living. I love creativity. I love everything that's a celebration of life. Driven by the heart of God, he came and he died for me, this Jesus. Why? So that I might live a good life? Why? So that I might gain some kind of double-edged security? Because I might have the choice of belonging to a belief system or a group of people that will keep me in comfort and measure peace to me? Because it identifies me with a good crowd. John 17. The very final prayer that Jesus ever prayed. After Jesus had said all that he said to his disciples. He'd washed their feet. We talked about servanthood a few weeks ago. And then he taught them. And after he finished his teaching... He himself, he himself prayed. This is not my prayer, your prayer, it says. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and he prayed. Now listen to this. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. 
For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life that they might know you. The only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought your glory to earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, will you glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began? Verse 9, I'm not praying for the world, but I'm praying for those you've given me, for they are all yours. And I was one of those that he was praying for because I was one of those given to him by the hand of God. I'm praying for those, God, that you gave me. Eternal God gave me to him and eternal God gave you to him. All I have is yours. All you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them and over to 24. And this is vital. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me. Your journey here is only a fraction of the moment. It is taking you nearer and nearer and nearer to your heavenly unification with Jesus Christ. You will see him face to face. And the Bible says, when I see him, measure this, you will be like him. If you saw my children, you'll see their mum, and you'll see me, you'll say, oh, look, they've got his nose. Or they've got her smile. Or they've got his color hair or her... You'll see a reflection of us. It's amazing to me that you never bump into a person that looks the same. I'm just loving this hair over here. I mean, your hair is just... I'm going to have mine done like yours. The next time you come, I'm going to grow it and have it blonde and black. Brilliant. Every person looks so different. How can any artist, because I'm big into art, how can any designer or artist on one, two, three, four characteristics have billions upon billions upon billions and billions of shapes that never look the same? Two eyes. I give you two eyes. I give you one pointy nose. I give you one mouth. Now go and create billions upon billions upon billions and don't want one to look like the other. But when you see him, you're going to be like him. Every tribe, every nation, all the peoples. 
thousands upon thousands upon thousands, millions upon millions, looking like Jesus. Glorious. It's amazing. Father, I want those you've given me to be with me where I am and to see, to see, and this is the aim of the whole book. It's the aim of the whole of the message of the Bible and of Christ. It's the reason he came to earth. It's why you're here this morning and I'm here. I want them to be with me where I am. And I want them to see my glory. Heart of God. Jesus is that you will see his glory. Not just his face. His glory. That word glory is the thing that we're going to talk about this week and next week. And I'm not going to go on much longer this morning. What does that word glory mean? That word glory means his gravity, his immeasurable richness, his limitless highest splendor in the universe, visible manifestation of all that he is. I had a friend who was a dental surgeon and he was one of the greatest Christian men that I've ever met and we spent many years together. And he lived in Bristol and uh, he was a very highly qualified, highly intelligent guy. The kind of guy you'd think would never ever be a Christian. He's too clever. He'd never work it out. He's too clever. One day he was walking home from university where he was at. And he was walking back to his digs, to his accommodation. It was night time and he looked in the sky. And he saw something that he'd never seen before. He saw the glory of the creation of God and he'd never seen it before even though he'd lived underneath it and then something burst inside of him and some revelation which said there must be a creator it's glorious and the word glorious was the word that led him to submit his whole life and his family and the whole of his practice, everything, to the Lord Jesus Christ. Glory. Some words you cannot give a definition to. Some words in any language do not convey the full meaning. And even in the Bible, words alone do not convey the full meaning so I cannot convey to you the full meaning of this word glory because some words reflect an experience some words reflect a feeling 
Some words reflect an emotional response to something way beyond us. That is the word glorious. Glorious. Right now, though, the Bible says we see this glory through a glass dimly. It's as if my glasses are fogged up. Sometimes when I ride my motorbike, I take these glasses off and I put dark glasses on. And I can't see where I'm going. And I get on my motorbike, and it's the most dangerous thing ever. Until I hit the daylight. And then, oh, now I know why I'm wearing dark glasses. And I look at life and the Bible and God and this word glory through a glass. And I don't get the full revelation. But there is something in me that wants that full revelation. But right now, I can't see it. But I want more. Now, I believe there's something in every believer. There's a cry in every heart of every true believer. This tells me I am saved. This feeling... This cry deep down, which I quench most of the time, but maybe it's time to give vent to it. Maybe it's time to believe it is something from God. Maybe it's time to take action on it. Maybe it's time to share it. Lord, I want more. I am not satisfied with the glass darkly. I want more. I want to see your glory. I want your glory. I want the highest splendor that you are in the universe. I want a visible manifestation of all that you are. I want your glory. I want more of God. I have you in part, but I want you entirely. Give me more. Because one day I'm going to see you face to face. And I'm going to be like you. I'm just going to share one more scripture with you. And a story. And next week. It's in Exodus. Poor Moses. All alive. There he was, king, emperor, prince. And he runs away. God catches him in the desert with sheep, burning bush. God speaks to him. Go back to Pharaoh. Set my people free. Set them free. Moses went back and indeed he told Pharaoh... Set the people free that they may go and serve him. And eventually he did. And he set them free and they're in the wilderness and they're going to the promised land that God was going to lead them to as a nation, Israel. And God said, I'm going to give them commands by which to live. And he went to a mountain and God told him what the commandments were. And carved all the commandments out of slabs of stone. Took them back for the people. When he went back, he found them. The people of God had returned to the worship of idols. Golden calf of the Egyptians. 
And after all God had done to them, they were like an elastic band that returned to the same shape. And they went back to what they knew. And he was so angry, he smashed the commandments. And he went, disappointed, downhearted, and lonely, to the tent of the meeting. A bit like this. Tent where they went to meet God. And Moses went into the tent of the meeting to meet God. And he talked with God. And he said, God, I can't lead these people anymore. I just can't do it. It's beyond me. And God said, I'm going to wipe them out. It's the end. And he began to talk to God, but remember they're your people. Remember they're your people. I can't lead them, but remember they're your people. And the Lord replied, Remember this nation, he said, is your people. And the Lord replied to him, My presence will go with you. Now I'm going to give you rest. Now I would settle for that. That's one thing I pray for and we need is, God, give us your presence. Not my presence, your presence. Come into this meeting this morning with your presence. We pray for that. I'd call that revival. Presence of God comes into a building. Two or three are gathered, wherever it is. I'm there. When his presence comes, I will settle for that. I trade everything for it. But not Moses. God says, my presence will go with you. I'll give you rest. And Moses said to him, but if your presence doesn't go with us, don't send us from here. How will anyone know? that you are pleased with me and with the people unless you go with us. What else will distinguish me and your people from all the people on the planet Earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing that you're asking of me because I'm pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, after he'd remonstrated, your present isn't enough. Moses says, but now show me your glory. It's a prayer beyond a prayer. Now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause then all my goodness to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. And I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. I'll have compassion on whom I have compassion. But you cannot see my face. Because no one see my face and live. Finish. Moses wanted more. Church, let us not settle for today. Let us not settle for where I am at, Claude, at 70. Thank you. For the wife's mouthing it to me. Just remind me. Don't settle. More, more. Doesn't matter what happens, ask for more, more. God has got more than you can ever think or imagine. More, 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 more. You will never hit the limits of what God wants to do with you and what he's got for you. There's more, still more. Do not settle. It's a sin to settle. That means you've stopped on the journey. I want more. And this is the more that I want. Show me your glory. 
And he took Moses up into the mountain. I'll show you glory, but you, you'll not see my face, otherwise you will burn. The glory is so intense. It's weighty, it's heavy. So turn your back upon me. And this is the glory of God. And the glory of God passed him. And after this, his face shone. Shone. Moses was never the same again. He began to radiate so much so he had to cover his face. It was radiating something that he got from God. And the glory passed him. And he could only bow his head after this experience. And the glory came near to him. And the glory turns out to be goodness. The goodness of God is the glory of God. The glory of my mum was this. She was the kindest person you'd ever meet. She was known for it. She's glory. The glory of God is his goodness and his mercy and his grace. And when he should wipe out, he saves. When it's the end, at the right time, he sends his son, goodness. And Jesus was nailed to that cross only because of his goodness. And he died because he was a good God. He rose again simply because he was good. Everything about him is good. He thinks good. He creates good. His decisions are good. His actions are good. His thoughts are good. His planning is good. Everything is good. God is good. And when you have God in you, the glory of God is the goodness of God in you. And we burst him with goodness. Goodness. And when I look at the daffodils and all the other things, they're bursting their goodness. I see the glory. I see the glory of Somerset when I stand on pretty. I see the glory of it. I see the goodness of it. I don't see all the individual lives and what's going on on the mess and the muck and the walls. and all. I just see the goodness, the glory of it. And the glory of the church is its great goodness, supernatural goodness, 3D goodness, Father, Son, Holy Spirit goodness coming into the church, flowing out. God is good. This Easter day, God is good to you. Amen.